Once again, a stacked weekend, mostly weekend. There's one fight happening during the week of fights. We're going to run through. I wouldn't necessarily call these the pinnacle of quality, but if you like just watching some fights, you may want to check some of these out. I'll cover the ones, all the ones I see, and then you may have to just choose on your own, but I wouldn't necessarily call this a, this is not one of those must we must miss, must uh, thing. It's not that bad, but it's also not one of those must see. I got to dial in ones either. It's kind of, you either like boxing and you watch everything boxing or it's like whatever. At the top here out in the UK at the AO Arena in Manchester, if you're local, it's on ESPN Plus in the US, TNT Sports in the UK. This is new for me seeing TNT Sports, but TNT Sports apparently is trying to get a little bit more into the business. This was um, aligned with BT Sports, so I'm. this is something I'm going to keep my eye on as well. But 12 rounds at featherweight action. Nick Ball's fighting Isaac Dogbo. Dogbo, I, I've covered him a couple times. I'm not impressed with him. He seems to just slip off the chain when it matters. I think he has, I think it's one of those, like I wouldn't call him C-level, but he certainly doesn't excel when he steps up in class. He gets schooled. Whereas Nick Ball has been on the tear very recently. Nick Ball's the taller guy, uh, but Nick Ball has been on a tear. The guy just seems to be able to get you out of there. He's a skilled boxer, very skilled boxer. He's not power, but he's just skilled to where, He's forcing stoppages. His last four have been ended by stoppage. I think he's a really, really good, solid contender at featherweight, and I've been keeping my eye on him. Undefeated kid, uh, 26 years old. Definitely, if you want to see, <laughs> if you want to see, you know, kind of the up and coming in the division, you want to definitely check Nick Ball out. There are people who actually think Dogwell beats this dude. I don't know why, unless Ball just doesn't show up. Because here's the thing. Dogbo's more of the veteran. He's not old, but he's been in much more. Uh, he has way more skill, way more rounds in the books. He's been in the game longer, the whole nine. So he is arguably the veteran of the two. What I'm saying is, is that although Ball is largely untested, the point is he has, it's, his skill is obvious. The skill is clear and obvious when you watch the dude. So unless Dogbo's able to catch this guy with something, I just don't see, I don't see that there's anything going to change other than, just a straight stoppage yet again of Dogbo and maybe a retirement for Dogbo. He's been in the business for a while. Maybe it's not time to hang it up. That's my call on that one. On the undercard of this arena, we got 12 rounds at middleweight action. Denzel Bentley fighting Nathan Herney, Haney. Sorry, Haney. Uh, this is one for the regional titles, the British, British middleweight title. Uh, I don't know either guy. I've heard of Bentley, but I haven't seen him fight a lot. I haven't heard of Haney. Now, it's reasonably new. Haney's under is the... Uh, undefeated and the weird thing on Haney he's older he's the older one in this fight he's taller I think he's a little bit rangier he doesn't have very many rounds in the books it's it's pretty evenly matched in terms of numbers of fights in the books uh Haney's a boxer he's going to stay away from you and box you at range that's what's kept him largely in the game but he hasn't been in that long you know he just debuted I want to say like five years ago or something but he's already he goes the distance more than not so he's not going to try to get you out of there but Bentley Bentley seems like he's it seems like he is, he's prone to making mistakes. So when I'm looking at it, it's like if he's against the guy who's putting himself out there, he'll get him out of there. But if he's in there with a skilled boxer, he doesn't have a chance. And I don't think he's going to have a chance against Haney. He can prove me wrong. I don't see it personally. Undercard of that same event, 12 rounds at welterweight action. Echo Estimans fighting Harry Scarf. I, I talked about Estiman on a previous fight, I think very highly of him. I'd never heard of Scarf prior to this. I'm not impressed with his record hardly at all but yeah estimate I'm, I'm real big on estimate he's a really quality guy he had a tough out the last time I think it's I think part of it is that 
he was on such a streak, and then all of a sudden he met just the wrong person. And for whatever reason, he looked as stellar as he normally does. I still think he's that dude, although he's slightly older. This one's decently matched well, except that, again, Scarf doesn't impress me with the record. It, that's not taking away skill, because I do think he's a decent boxer. It kind of reminds me of Man Bun Formella in a way, where it's like, once you start stepping up, you just don't have a chance against these guys. But it's not like you're a bad boxer. You're good in your own right. Just when you step up, you have no chance. That's what I see here on that one. I think Esamon takes it possibly by stoppage, but this one could go to the cards. But I think Esamon is going to take that one. Undercard of that same event, 12 rounds at super bantamweight action. Liam Davies makes his return against Vicenza La Femina. I have never heard of La Femina. I've never. I, I looked and then I did comparison because I was... I was curious because, you know, usually when it's somebody, I think he comes from Mexico, actually. When it's somebody like this, you would hear something. You would see something. I've never heard of this guy. And he's been in the business, I think, four years, and I've never heard of him. Goes the distance more often than not. He's a decent-sized guy. Uh, this one's matched very well physically. They're both undefeated guys. I think highly of Davies. So this was an intriguing fight. If you do get a chance to see any of the fights, this one's super weights from UK versus Mexico, I think this one's worth watching because Davies is quality. So if Davies can't deal with Femina, this will tell you something about Femina, number one. But number two, you know, Femina, Davies is, is right there at the bottom of his prime. Like, he hasn't even hit a peak. He's still he's still that dude. And so this will be a good test, being both undefeated, roughly in the same duration in the business, same number of years, same number of rounds, roughly same build, same age. This one's quality to test both guys. And, I'll have my eye on Femina to see, you know, if he's that guy. Because usually, again, when it's a Mexico fighter coming up, you'd hear something more than I've heard. Anyway, that's not dinging on him. I just, I'm curious where, it's like, where the hell did this guy come from? Uh, same event, under round, 10 rounds at super welterweight women's action. Hannah Rankin makes her return against Emma Cozen. I, of course, know uh, Hannah Rankin. Uh, Hannah Rankin's been on a steep decline in her past couple fights. She's had a rough time of it. After her stoppages, when she first got stopped, uh, she was she was trying to rebuild, and then she lost her recent by decision, and she's been kind of, it seems like she's near that, it's like time to hang it up level. Now, she's being matched against Kozin, and Kozin, the interesting thing on her is she lost her last fight by decision. Kozin, more than most of the women, seems to be really good at getting you out of there when you make a mistake. She doesn't sit back and wait for you to, you know, box and box. She's a southpaw, she's rangy, she's tall, and she just seems durable for what she is. Uh, I, I was very impressed when I saw some of the footage of her. This one's hard to tell because I do think highly of Rankin. I just think she's on the decline. So I on the books, Cozen should win, but Rankin is skilled enough where she might be able to get out of here. Women's action, definitely check that out. Same event, undercard, 12 rounds at featherweight action. Nathaniel Collins fighting Zach Miller. I know both guys... Passively, I've seen them on occasion on the undercards, both undefeated guys. I think they're matched very well. Physically, they're roughly the same, except that Collins is a southpaw and slightly shorter. This is where some Commonwealth titles, regional Commonwealth titles, been in the business roughly the same amount of time, roughly the same amount of rounds, same number of fights. I think the lean goes ever slightly to Collins. Collins seems like he has more power. It's not that Miller doesn't try to go after you. It seems like he just doesn't have the power to really do much. And so he's more of a boxer. He'll try to just box you and show the judges. But Collins, is he has the boxing skill and he has the power. I think that's going to be the edge in his favor. Now we're going to switch over to the zone. 
This is at the YouTube Theater out in Inglewood. Ten rounds at super middleweight action. Diego Pacheco makes his return against Marcelo Esteban Cosiris. Cosiris, I'm a, clearly aware of. He's been essentially he's a he's been in the business for quite a while. He doesn't have a lot of fights, but he's been in a, the business since I think it's like nine, ten years going. And then of course Diego Pacheco, up and coming star that everybody that they're building behind to hopefully take over super middleweight. I think Diego Pacheco's a quality fighter. He tends to make mistakes sometimes, and I've noticed that. So he's riding off of a stop streak, stoppage streak. So he's riding high. He's undefeated. He's a knockout artist. He's exciting. He's explosive. All that stuff. If anybody's going to be able to expose kinks in the game, though, it's Coseries. That for that reason and that reason alone, I like the fight because Coseries is skilled enough to be able to do that expose. The question is: Is he completely done? He's lost his last three or four recently. So I don't know if he's still there mentally, you know, kind of like Gabe Rosado, right? Is, is Coseries there enough mentally, even if he does lose, to be able to expose some kinks in the game here for Pacheco? That's the open question why I actually like this fight, because we don't know. We're just not sure what this is going to end up looking like. And I'm excited to see how this turns out, because I'm really curious where Pacheco truly is. What is his real level in this business? On that same event, undercard, 10 rounds at bantamweight action. This one's a huge one. Uh, Jonathan Javier Rodriguez fighting Kalia Fai. Kalia Fai, of course, he was one of those where he was on the run. He was on the rise. He was the up-and-coming star. Then he took the loss. He, it was a stoppage loss. It was a brutal. It was a shocker. And then he's now on the rebuild. He got a decision, his last. So he's nowhere near. Like before then, he was just absolutely dominant. And then the decision win just recently was a good one but he's nowhere near visibly as dominant as he was before this. And so now, although Yafai is kind of the, he's no longer the A side. I mean, he is in terms of star power, but he's not in terms of the books in terms of the books because of basically the, how he's been promoted. Rodriguez is clearly the A side in this fight. Rodriguez is coming off a loss. He's on a rebuild. So this one was booked because it's a good rebuild really for both guys to see where they are. Cal Yafai is older. I think Cal Yafai is still that dude. I think Yafai deals with Rodriguez in easy fashion. Rodriguez has a couple of losses, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Cal Yafai get a win, a very dominant win against this guy, because I do think highly of him. I think he just had a, a, a speed bump in the road, and now he's on the rebuild and, and getting back on the on the train. Undercard of the same event here, 10 rounds at Super Bantamweight Women's Action. Myerlin Rivas fighting Erica Cruz. I know Erica Cruz. I've watched her. I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, sweet gal. She really is. Rivas I'm aware of, but haven't had a chance to see any of the fights. Um, this one's pretty good matched as well. Same number of fights. Uh, same. Now, the, the same rounds-ish close, but Rivas has, has been in the business longer. This tells me a couple things. Rivas seems to be able, she's again one of those that tries to go for knockouts. She's got really good power, et cetera. So Rivas seems like, She's not one of those, you know, slow boxers that you see with the women or feather-fisted like you see with the women. If she can catch you, she'll catch you. She's older, though, because she's been in the game so long. She's older, so power is all she may have left to contribute to the fight. That's not a ding on her. It's just something to be aware of when you're gauging something like this because otherwise they're pretty reasonably matched even. I just think so highly of Cruz. I think Cruz is skilled enough, I'm talking as a boxer, to be able to get past uh, what Reeves is going to bring. But, you know, this one's kind of a toss-up to me. I'm leaning towards Cruz, and that may be biased speaking. I don't know, but I, I think I think Cruz is just that much more skilled than Rivas to be able to pull that out. 
Now we're going to switch over to the Civic Hall in Wolverhampton in the UK. This is on Peacock in the US, Sky Sports in the UK. 12 rounds of super lightweight action. Frank Petitjean fighting Adam Azim. I have never heard of Frank Petitjean. I have heard of Adam Azim. I've watched him a couple times, up and coming guy. This is the guy I'm pretty sure that was, he was pretending like he's Nassim Hamid. I'm pretty sure it's the same dude. And then Petitjean I never heard of. He's an older guy, so he's been in the business, I think four or five years-ish. Actually, no, sorry, wrong year. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, 13 years, so double that. Uh, so he's been in a long time, number of rounds in the books, etc. And this one feels like it's a fight to showcase Azim, which, you know, that is what it is. Azim's a really quality guy, but I don't know that he, he tends to make mistakes sometimes. So he's been on decisions recently, his knockout streak stopped. So if anybody's going to be able to expose something on Azim, it's going to be Pettijan, for what I can tell of the experience edge here. That said, Azim is much rangier. He's taller. He's way younger. And I, you know, it's possible he just completely blitzes Pettijan and gets him out of there. I don't know. Undercard of that event, 12 rounds of middleweight action. Matteo Signani versus Tyler Denny. Don't know either guy. I looked at the numbers on the books. Uh, Denny is a southpaw that'll play in a little bit of factor. Denny has less rounds in the books. However, Signani's been in the game a longer time. He's been in the game, I want to say, what, six years-ish? And then uh, Denny's only been, or Denny's been in the, in the game, let's see. No, not six, 16, sorry. 16 years has Signani. And then Denny's been in about eight years. So, you know, Signani's been in the game a longer time, more rounds in the books. But this one's hard because although Denny is a southpaw, and that will certainly play into factor, I get the sense from Signani that he has a level of skill that seems to flummox everybody gets in there with. And Denny tends to make mistakes at times. That said, Signani's much older because he's been in the game a lot time, long time, so Denny might very well get him out of there, if only because of the age factor, the southpaw factor, um, the freshness factor. Then, same event, undercard, 10 rounds at cruiserweight action. This one is going to make me shake my head, but Richard Riaport fighting Dylan Brian, uh, Brajan, sorry. I, I shake my head because Riaport has been absolutely, his matching is just a joke. Like, they match him against absolute scrubs. And so, he looks like a beater, but, I mean, look at who they're matching the guy with. So, I'm not dinging on him. It's not his fault. It's matchmakers. This is, this is a mismatch. This is a blatant mismatch. Regine should have nothing for Rhea Pork in this one. And it, I don't think it's worth watching, in my personal opinion. That's my opinion only. Now we're going to switch over to France in the Dwai uh, Hippodrome Municipal. I don't even know if it's televised. It Maybe I don't see it. Ten rounds of super bantamweight women's action. Uh, let's see. Segaline Lefebvre versus Ticey Gallagher. I'm going to say that's what it is. I may have butchered the names. I'm sorry. I've never heard of either lady at all. Uh, Lafavre is uh, undefeated. She's been in the game, let's see, eight years-ish. And Gallagher, I've never heard of, but she's been in the game. Let's see. Okay, she just debuted like a year and a half ago, so that's not so bad. But she already has her loss. First loss uh, looks like by decision. There's not very much data around either gal, so I don't want to put this. I can tell you just based on... The numbers, this is not going to have any sort of a knockout or a stoppage. It's going to be a pretty boring fight, which is probably why they're not televising, is my guess. The last one I see here is at the York Hall in the UK, Bethnal Green. Uh, this is on TNT Sports in the UK. does not look like it's 
televised for U.S. and maybe on like Fight TV or something. I don't see that. Ten rounds at lightweight action. Mark Chamberlain fighting uh, Artoms Ramolavs. I'm going to say that's the right pronunciation. I apologize if it's wrong. I've never heard of either guy. Uh, Chamberlain is undefeated. Coming off some stoppage wins. He's only been in the game about four years-ish. Uh, and then Ramolavs. Let's see. He's been in the game, let's see, six years. Six years, five years. And uh, on the numbers, looks like it's a decently matched fight, roughly the same amount of fights. Uh, both Southpaws, uh, Ramlavs is much older. So I don't know how to call that one, and I don't want to do them to disservice. That's what I see on deck. And then the last thing I'll just talk about real quick is the chatter around the recent fight that was booked and will be happening in December, and that's the return of the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. And he's fighting Joseph Parker. And then Anthony Joshua, he's returning. He's fighting Otto Allin Volin. And the story behind this is that Volin and Joshua have sparred, so they know each other. And the theory is that Joshua picked Volin because he's not a big puncher, unlike, you know, Ruiz, right? So people believe that Joshua's going to win that easy. I don't agree with that because I think that Volin is awkward enough where he's going to make Joshua look really bad. And, if they're, and if they, I think what they're doing here, these are both in Saudi. I think what they're doing is they're trying to use these two fights as a showcase because they're actually happening on the same event, if I recall. They're trying to use this as a showcase to eventually lead up to a, a clash between Joshua and Wilder. Now, I think that fight's well past the sell date because they should have fought when they were undefeated and, you know, they had the belts. That's me speaking. But I think that with Wilder, Wilder's going to look bad against Parker. Um, until for as long as it lasts. I think Wilder's eventually going to land that bomb, but I think he's going to look bad against Parker for as long as it lasts. I think Joshua's going to look terrible against Wallen. I don't know that Joshua gets the knockout against Wallen. I think that Wallen is crafty enough to be able to stay away from anything Joshua throws, but time tells because Wallen seems to be able to, he's busy enough that he throws enough and it throws you off your rhythm where you're not able to land something. So I think it's a bad style matchup, but since they sparred, there may be something that Joshua knows that I don't. My point is, between those two fights, and then you got Tyson Fury allegedly going forward with the fight against Alexander Usyk because they were doing the pressers and the face-to-face and the whole nine. So apparently that's still going forward. I don't know that it happens in December still. That's what's on deck. But between those three fights, we have some apparently heavyweight action stepping up. Now, the only thing that would derail any of this would be if somebody got injured, right? And then we have to see what happens with the heavyweight division because right now, Fury and Usyk would be a unified for heavyweight supremacy. Let's speculate a little bit. If Usyk beats Tyson Fury and unifies the division, I, I we know that Joshua can't beat Usyk. We know that. Wilder, in my opinion, blitzes and knocks Usyk the hell out. I just completely destroys him, even if he looks bad prior to doing so. And I say that based on Usyk's performance against Dubois, which was not great. And Dubois is not necessarily the ultimate in skilled fighters, and neither is Wilder. But I think power is the, is the switch, right? If, you know, it seems like Usyk is vulnerable to power if you go after him and hit him with hard shots. I'm not saying he's glass. I'm saying that it seems like he is, he reacts, he overreacts to getting hit with power shots, kind of like Keith, because when Dubois hit him with the power shot, and that was in the, in the, in the belly, right? It was, all, it, was, it was at the belt line, but hit him in the belly, Usyk goes down off that shot. And then, you know, that was a pretty brutal shot. I'm not dismissing the shot. I am saying that there's been times like Joshua hit him and he reacted kind of weird. Then Dubois hits him like that and he reacts kind of weird. Come on. If Wilder is able to land that bomb, I don't know that Usyk survives it. Well, then let's speculate. If Fury beats Usyk somehow, which could happen, but I don't see it. But let's say that he does. 
then what can happen next? It means that it, the winner of Joshua and Wilder would certainly be the mandatory for the heavyweight title, at least one of them. Well, does anybody really want to see Wilder versus Fury again for the fourth time? Because I don't see Joshua getting past Wilder. And what I'm saying is, if you're a fan, you should want Usyk to beat Fury. Because you should, because at least there, you get something fresh and get Fury out of the way because he no longer will be undefeated. He no longer would be lineal because Usyk would take that from him. And he would no longer have WBC, so he'd be out of the way. It's possible that then Joshua could beat Wilder, but highly unlikely. But let's say he did. A Joshua Usyk 3 might be compelling if Joshua can take out all in Volen in stellar fashion, right? If he can sell that he's there and he's whatever is wrong with his mind, you know, because remember, he cut that promo and he just cracked in the ring. So if he can get his mind right, he goes back to being that dude, then yes, it's a compelling third fight. I'm just saying that I don't see that Tyson Fury, if Tyson Fury wins, I think it's bad for the division. That's assuming the fight still happens. So time will tell if that's going to happen. We're going to wrap this up. I probably won't check out the fights this weekend, but there's another fight happening next Saturday, and I'll be making sure to record on Saturday morning for that event.